ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Fly Casual. Tonight we are top, talking about the epic. T- I said tough instead of talking, and that's topical or topical, if you will, because tonight we're talking about Avatar. The Last Airbender. Are we talking about James Cameron's Avatar? No. Are we talking about M. Night Shyamalan's Last Airbender? Hell no. We're talking about The Last Airbender, one of the most epic animation tales of all time, here on another Fly Casual. Let's get ready to wrinkle! So the most dangerous thing to start off the second podcast that we record in a single night would be to give me more alcohol. No. More. More is better. No. Yeah. Coming from you. Sure. <laughs> Especially the second podcast of the night. Yeah. But despite but 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 what's happening, do, huh? despite, despite my rotund girth, I am a lightweight and unpracticed in the, the laws of consumption. So by the end of this, I might not be able to string a single sentence together. It's all right. Are you ready to carry it, Mike? Let's do it. You gonna carry this Avatar: The Last Airbender? I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna carry it, Mike. I'm gonna make this happen (laughs) one way or another. All right. Well, Mike's gonna make it happen, which just happened to be our middle school motto at Hubert H. Humphrey Middle School in lovely Bolingbrook, Illinois. Make it happen. That was a school motto. Was pretty inspirational. I don't know about you guys. You probably had you probably had middle school mottos like I don't know, limp along, <laughs> but mine was make it happen down there in down there in in. Well, you were you in India or Valpo, Garrick? Uh, for high school, for middle school, uh, both. Yeah, see, in Valpo, they're like they're. Their middle school mottos are like, I don't know, wait till the popping is between one, three and five seconds between pops before you stop yeah. the microwave. That's middle school yeah. motto. You don't want to burn it. You don't want to burn it. You don't want to blacken wanna... the popcorn. Nope. Yep. Yeah, over there in, sure in Redenbacherland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. but me, make it happen. That's what they did. And we we <clears throat> did. We hopped to it. We made it happen. Speaking of making it happen, we're going to get this crap underway. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Corey. Welcome back to Fly Casual episode number <laughs> 279, thank you very much. <laughs> we are going to get it on right here now. We're sure right not, on the table. You sure it's not 379? Oh, at least this time you went Definitely oh, not. At least you went up, Howie. Yeah, I'm, I'm averaging now better. That's good. Averaging now better up, good. Yep. <laughs> Rounded up. Better. It's, a, it's better. It's better yep. averages. It's better. Pay, paying the mortgage on the studio here is it is I. Mr. Corey T. Wilson, across from me, uh, currently working on the development of his own studio. Yeah. Mr. Michael Jarrett. Yeah, Are you going to do a spinoff podcast, Mike? I am not going to do a spinoff <laughs> podcast. I don't have enough energy left after finishing the fucking basement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been working my ass off the last three or four weeks and uh, finally drywalling this bitch after framing the fuck out of it for the last... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've dropped two. I've dropped two. That's because my body... Your let's, body's let's so say this. your mouth can't fight your brain. <laughs> the, the mind is willing, the body is weak. Uh, there so, you go. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There yep. Go. That's uh that's not what she said. I'm just saying. <laughs> Over there at Master Troll, Mr. Stephen J. Howie. I'm here, I'm ready, and I'm willing. <laughs> that's all we can ask yeah. for. Yeah. That's, really that's, that's the minimum required recommendations yeah. yep. for operating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But you know what? And it's also what he says when a Garrick's mom answers the door. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> she says, come right in. Mm. Yeah. yeah, she does. But no, I, right I've, been, in. I've, I've, I've been doing a thing, guys. Oh, no. <gasps> oh, no. We're not docking it yet. Well, this isn't docking I am using this. As a preemptive docket. Oh no! You're pre-docket so that I don't I don't actually don't use wanna, my docket. You're double docketing by pre-docketing so you don't burn your docket. Yep. This is bullcrap. It's I'm brilliant. It's stretching the laws <laughs> it's of brilliant. Boy, And Nigel. you guys are mad that you didn't think of it first. Um, but I did a thing. I made a fire pit, and I'm huh. going to blow air into it. And you're going to blow air a into fan. it. Fan. Wow! Seems like you should just you just want giant flames. Your son convinced you to do this, didn't he? <laughs> I, yeah. No, he did not have you're, to convince you're, me. You're, you're tiny little <laughs> Where do you think my son gets his? He just looked direction. at you. He just looked you like this, didn't like, he? Yeah. Just nodded his head a little He's bit. Like, yeah, yeah, you're going the right direction. <laughs> I approve of you, but father. I am taking. A, a, I think they call it a Dakota fire pit. It's supposed to produce less smoke. Um, in 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 the Dakotas, they have like no smoke, you guys. I, I think I got the name wrong, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but you dig a hole to put your fire in, and then you dig a hole beside, or a little ways away, but beside it that comes horizontally, down yeah, underneath, so that all the air gets sucked in from that, and then flames shoot out the top, mm-hmm. and it burns hotter, and thus producing less smoke. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm taking that kind of idea. Uh, it burns the smoke right on. Got a fan. On the end of a pipe that's pushing air to the bottom of my uh, fire, and uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. Let's be real, everybody. All of this effort is because I still have Howie's other fire pit. Yep. <laughs> that's true. There's because something. Howie, I'm unwilling yeah. to move it. So. Howie won a fire pit in a golf tournament. <laughs> I did. Were you still living in the apartment? Yeah, you were yeah, in an apartment at the time. That's why you... Uh, and I had just moved in here, so yeah. you're like, here, take these fire pit fixins. Yeah, I have no place to put them. <laughs> and, and it's still out there to yeah. this day, or at least most of it. <laughs> the rocks that have, like, chipped and rotted away have been removed. That was quite some time ago. Yeah, and we pretty much bottomed out the suspension on that Jeep Liberty with all those rocks <laughs> in the back, man. That thing was practically sparking. It was its not my road. Jeep Liberty, folks. No, no, it was not mine. It was the one that my wife came prepackaged with. <laughs> yes, you're was, getting this deal. It was eliminated as soon as possible after about the twentieth, like uh, safety recall from Jeep. <laughs> oh, this thing's a, this thing was a nightmare. Crosspot down a few minutes. Gary, not Jay Hardy. What up? I also have a fire pit. You do. That's it. The end. That's the whole Wait, story. No, no, no. How many fire pits are in your backyard? presently uh, like two and a half <laughs> <laughs> well, i know this because i remember Garrett's like, hey guys i got a fire pit and we're like didn't you have one and you're like yeah but it sucked and we went outside and it's just sitting there <laughs> <laughs> now i have a i have a regular fire pit that's actually a pit and oh. i have one like yeah so you don't just have the drag arounds anymore you have a built-in oh i have those too you can we can have three at once <laughs> well two and a half at once oh excellent Excellent. Yes. Which one can we pipe the water from the pool through so that it actually warms up a little bit? Um, I don't know. Probably the half one because <laughs> yeah. I don't care about it. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of laying there, resting. Howie and I, every year before Pool Labor Day, start thinking, is this the year where we actually try to warm up the water in that damn pool? <laughs> yeah. With other something other like than just our a week, A week or two uh, 
preceding the <laughs> yeah. commencement. It's never long enough for us to actually yeah. make plans and get stuff. <laughs> right. It's always just like, you yeah. know, wouldn't have been great if we'd already done this. <laughs> the ice cold, ice cold late August water is the best. <laughs> Everybody knows this. It defies logic <laughs> in every way how that pool is always cold, no matter how hot it's been for the last week or two. It, it really doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> I'm I'm fairly sure that under your pool is the last remnant of the Indiana-Michigan glacier. <laughs> That's Just where it is. Keeping it cool 100%. Encino Man's down there. Isn't that how Encino Man started? Yeah. Uh, Speaking like, of Encino Man, it's time to talk about what's up your docket hole, boys. Oh yeah, squeezing the juice. Oh, burning lava hot, but icy cold in the middle. We saw that movie holds up. I don't care. Yes, yeah, got uh, Brendan Fraser in it. Of course it does. That's right. How we kick it off? All with right. Your double dockets. So we can just get done with you. All right. <laughs> well, good. Stop taking all the dockets, man. I'm taking all the dockets. In fact, you guys are yielding your time to me. Exactly. Not happening. Damn. This better be a good docket, bro. It's not a good docket. Uh oh. <laughs> I almost no. did a spit take. That would have been a pretty great docket. <laughs> oh, no. And it's now, a great docket. Um, okay. So, one of, the, one of the movies that I had watched. In your oh. in your home alone in time. my home alone time. <laughs> You're defending the house from Joe Pesci uh, between Stern. between porn sessions. Yes. Okay, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, he was giving it a rest, as they say, <laughs> uh, recharging. Was a Peter Jackson film. Oh no! Uh oh, which one? <laughs> Called <laughs> Mortal was... Engines. I've not seen this one. Uh. <laughs> Thank you, Garrick. Exactly. So, so far, we are that reaction and your reaction to Garrick's reaction illustrates to me that this is a average Peter Jackson film. It, if you take away the Lord of the Rings, the dudes, the if you if you take away the Lord of the Rings trilogy, that dude's track record is questionable well, at best. In my defense, I didn't know it was a Peter Jackson film. When I started, okay. Um, well, it has Elrond in it, which is nice. Yeah, Elrond's in it. Um, like as Elrond, oddly enough. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the, Agent Elrond. The premise was absurd. New, Very, where I had to be like, "Huh, I need to watch this." <laughs> so you have it's in the future, and you have the cities had decided. A lot of the cities had decided. You know what? This stationary business is bullshit. <laughs> We need to get wheels. We need to make more than envelope. Oh, big mobility. I thought so you were like making like so letterhead. You, you have London is no longer London. You have it on wheels and you can drive around. London. Uh, the main reason for this is you have to, the uh, resources are scarce. So you have to go places to get So in, the, in future <laughs> Earth, we have Lando. With his town on the backs of ATAT walkers. Yeah, pretty much. Right. It's very steampunkish in that regards. Yeah. Uh, in in the the well, there's there's your Howie hook. Right the, there. the way they they uh, operate, and move. Some of them are you could tell it's older tech, and then some of it's a lot more refined and newer. Uh, but and and the bigger the bigger cities have these things where they can break, basically gobble up the smaller cities and take oh, their no, resources. No. It's Cities eating cities. Yeah, it's it's pretty fantastic, <laughs> which is the reason that's I'm like, this is so far out there that I'm I've got to see what this is all about. Well, that with uh, Mr. Uh, Elfman being in it. Hugo Weaving. Thank you. 
Red Skull. I'm like, he's in it. Red Skull. That's something. That uh, is something. And he was the best part of it, really. Not uh, surprising. Not surprising. Uh, I, Man, I just don't know what to say other than it. The story is f- pretty flat. Mm-hmm. So, oh, really? They just came up with this ridiculous premise that is something out of like a out of a uh, what's that Japanese animation company everybody loves so much? Thanks, Gary. Oh, yep. um, <laughs> well, there's so many. I, I oh, had to... your balls! There are. <laughs> if you don't know, I ain't telling you. Uh, are you talking about Studio Ghibli? Yeah. The Studio are you referring Ghibli to Howl's Moving Castle? I, uh, obviously, there is an illusion being drawn to that, but. To then some of and I'm gonna like maybe which is how Peter Jackson sounds when he talks, and then didn't come up with a story to match this bombastic premise. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> there, yeah. I'm shocked. Well, I, I, well, I it's based it's, on a book. It's based on a book, and it's mm-hmm. the screenplay was by you know Fran Walsh, uh, Peter Jackson, and. Pete and Fran. Philippa Boyens. uh, Produced by those and others. uh, Directed by Christian Rivers. Uh Um, This just screamed, I'm a good book that was not converted well to to the big screen. It really does. Um, This is... Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it, the the premise sounds ridiculous, but you, when you watch the movie, you're like, I can see little bits that very could be very intriguing and entertaining, and yeah. and and, and uh, but you like they're never explored. Things are moving too fast. The characters never develop. Any, there's no depth to any character. Yeah. Um, they because try, moving cities yeah. to gobble cities, and that's really just kind <laughs> of. A, I mean, it's kind of a small part. That whole thing is at the very beginning, and and it's just kind of more fantastical to show you that the world we live in, right? Um, yeah, I could not. I, there's part of me that kind of enjoyed it. Would never go back to yeah, watching. Yeah, that sounds like Garrett. Yeah. Would never go back to watching again, and would never recommend it to anybody. There you go. Yeah. How, okay. if there's a lot of cool elements in it, but yeah. How drunk do I have just, to be to even not feel like I'm wasting my time? You, uh, you'd be have to be so drunk that you're passed out. Oh, so I can't see it. <laughs> yeah, watch it while you're asleep. Oh, Garrett, is there anything that you haven't watched? <laughs> This I, think kid, sh- I don't get it. I, don't. I knew I knew Garrick could watch this because this is exactly something Garrick and I would enjoy together. I probably yeah, you're probably I'm probably partially responsible for you watching it. Yeah, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand. Like it, it it shows and video games. Because first off, he games on a laptop, so he's consuming two different media at once mm-hmm. at all times. Yeah. Yeah. And like I spin up an Imperion server again, and two days in, we're sitting there trying to figure out how to make like a freaking, you know, food to survive. And Garrick shows up in his uh, ship that he built that can like hyperdrive, <laughs> hyper jump between solar systems. Like, hey, yeah, how's buddy. it going? Hey, I killed those guys that killed you earlier. Okay, later, bye. Zing. That's me. That's Garrick. And I'm like, how yeah. the hell does he have that already? <laughs> this dude yeah. just well, powers through everything. I he, don't. I don't have friends. So. <laughs> Garrick has, has the equivalent of a bag of holding, except as it pertains to time. 
That's a hyperbolic time chamber from Dragon Ball Z. I go in for an hour and really like a whole month passes. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I'll now I'll go next. I'll go next. Minor easy. Uh, uh these films were on Garrick's docket several Whoa. months ago. Uh I watched Alien and Aliens. You watched the butt mo- Oh, okay. I've never watched Alien and Aliens <clears throat> close together before. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the movie Alien. Not as big a fan of the movie Aliens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but last uh, last Friday, like a week ago, Ian Holm passed away. Bilbo. Oh, yeah. Bilbo. And I wanted to watch an Ian Holm film, but I wasn't in the mood for Lord of the Rings. Oh. And it was like 930 at night, and I was time to put the You want to watch uh, Day After Tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think was that that one he was in. Oh, was that the one with uh with uh with what's his nuts is in yes, like the there snow is and a the what's his nuts in it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that movie sucks. Um, <laughs> Dennis Quaid? Not Dennis Quaid. I'm talking about the uh, the the dude what played the son. The Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, every time I think of Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal, I think of that Family Guy cutaway where the father's driving the car and they're arguing about who's more off-putting. He's like, kids, kids, you're both just awful. <laughs> and I agree <laughs> most of the time. Um, but it was like 9.30 at night. I had to put the kid to bed, but I really wanted to watch a movie. And I'm like, I watch Alien. And my kid loves scary movies, but there's a limited number of things I'm willing to show her because I don't just want to show her gore for gore's sake. And she doesn't love just jump scared and stuff. So like a selfish parent who wanted to stay up and watch a movie, I said, hey, I'll let you stay up if you watch this movie with me. <laughs> I'm lonely, child. Fill the hole in my soul. And she jumped at the chance to stay up late to watch a movie, and we watched Alien together. And Really? She, yes. And she loved it and hated it because it freaked her out. I think approximately 200 times she asked me if the kitty lives. <laughs> and I'm like, just wait for it. Just wait for it. But what about the kitty? She dropped the kitty. Is she going to go back for the kitty? Just, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Just chill. And uh, she liked it enough that then a couple days later, she went to watch Aliens. Now, I had forgot that Aliens was directed by James Cameron, not really Scott. <laughs> and he was so also dead. It's just full of like, ha- like needless cursing. Now, it's Space Marines. I get it. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it's you know the pretty much the book on space marines. Terribly right acted space marines. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So my daughter <laughs> through this movie, this is probably some of the mo- most coarse language that we've seen in a film. Uh, she wanted to murder Bill Paxson. I think she was disappointed when I said he's already dead. She hated him so much. <laughs> she wow, just kept saying she, the whole time. Terrible in instead movie. of yeah, instead of what happens to the Keep kitty, over, man. the whole time she's going, I hope that guy dies. I hope he dies. Is he dead yet? Is something going to kill him? I'm like, eh, wait for the drop. I think you're supposed to hate him, right? Yeah, definitely. You're definitely, but he survives longer than most people that you're not supposed to hate, right? So, Aliens is a good movie. It's got Michael Bean in it. How can he go wrong? Yeah, yeah. Michael Bean can be in The Mandalorian. Um, but now I've always felt this, but now I feel now that I've watched them juxtaposed by a few days. Alien is so superior to Aliens in every conceivable way. I mean, if you want to call Aliens, a lot of people, the, the thing people say, oh, Aliens is more action movie, more action movie. Uh, Aliens starts slower than Alien. And mm-hmm. Alien is starting from square one. Like, there's no premise when you start the film. It has to lay everything out for you. And, you know, including the going into the ship, discovering the facehugger eggs and all that stuff. Aliens. 
Lions skips all that and still takes longer to get started because of all how long the intro goes. And of course, Alien, Aliens feels like an 80s movie. Yes. Which I, and I know Alien came out like technically in the 70s, but it doesn't feel like a 70s. It, it, it feels almost timeless. Almost like, completely timeless. I mean, it's got it, that kind of like sweet late 70s, 80s thing where the future was a different version. Of, it was more like a the future of like Smokey and the Bandit. It was like space truckers. Yeah. You know, which most I love that. In fact, it's the same thing where we say Star Wars needs to be a little gritty, right? Mm-hmm. Aliens is just Starship Troopers with less CG. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's tacky looking like the the special effects in Alien were intentionally kept held back. Like the ships flying and stuff. It was a lot of close ups and, and just fog and smoke and, and fans to get to give you a feel what's going on. And then in Aliens, James Cameron goes, no, no, no. We did the intro to Terminator with a diorama and a shoebox. It's going to be all right. And they just use those same horrible special effects from like the first Terminator, where it's like literally models dangling on fishing lines. And you think about like the flyby shots and stuff and the technology they developed for Star Wars to show ships flying through space. And then you watch Aliens, and you know it's literally like a dude holding something on the end of a yardstick. It is so <laughs> garbage science, like so garbage special effects that were so far below what Hollywood already knew how to do that it's practically insulting. But it's still an enjoyable movie. You know, it really yeah. is straight up an enjoyable movie. And, but it's really great when they get to the the lift loader scene, you know, the mech scene, the fight at the end with the queen alien. My <laughs> daughter, yeah. my daughter literally turns to me and goes, well, apparently this is happening now. <laughs> Every now and then my daughter says something like that that cracks me up. Like we pulled up next to an old guy in a truck a couple weeks ago at an intersection. And this guy's just like rocking out. And my daughter, she's nine years old, petite little thing. And she goes, she goes, get a load of this guy. And I just start cracking up because she sounds like an acerbic old teen, older teenager. You know, get a lot of this guy. And it was the same thing with the live loader. Well, apparently we're doing this now as if it was like, well, this was phoned in when she's using the lift loader at the beginning of the movie. You know, mm-hmm. aliens is enjoyable, but man, it is subpar, not just not as good subpar with all of the very careful decisions made in the first film compared against it. Now, now compare it to Prometheus. <laughs> it's like Prometheus was like. Because I'm not bringing Aliens three and whatever the other Alien Resurrection, Resurrection oh, and then whatever the sequel to Prometheus was, Alien something else. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I like Aliens three. It's definitely a different pace. I I think in some ways it's superior to Aliens. In most ways, not. It's not as good as Alien, but I think it it. Aliens 3 has a more interesting story than Aliens, if you can call it that. Um, Alien Resurrection had a microcosm of a story that was an interesting. <laughs> I hate that's like a fan fiction of Alien. Yeah, it was it was interesting, but it was it was just it was very specific. Uh, and also Winona Ryder for some reason. Um, yeah, yeah, they have I'm a I'm a Winona Ryder. But then uh, Prometheus was Prometheus. I don't know. It's poison for me, just like Batman Begins. I always go back to Batman Begins for for movies that basically 
they signal something, they telegraph something ahead of time and then try to pretend like it never happened until later. And when the, the trailers from Prometheus came out, I was like, this is a Ridley Scott and I see H.R. Geiger imagery. This is an alien movie, right? And he's like, no, it's like not wink, wink, side of the eye, look back and forth. <laughs> and then it totally is. And I'm like, was that supposed to be the excitement? Because it was obvious. Same thing with Batman Begins. I always say Liam Neeson had weird hair, which was obviously Rachel Ghoul's hair. But then like, no, Ken Watanabe's Rachel Ghoul. And I'm like, no, the F he's not. And then the big reveal at the end of the movie. And I'm like, I knew this stuff before I even sat down, you know. So mm-hmm. Prometheus had that problem going for it. Um, I think Prometheus is kind of interesting to show like the progenitors uh, that the the engineered alien race, the xenomorphs exploited. And then the follow-up movie, which is Alien, whatever the hell. Covenant. Covenant was further interesting in showing how humans were indirectly slash directly responsible for the creation of Xenomorphs, which was very predictable. I felt was more interesting just because it was how our AI that we had developed had kind of turned, not directly on us, but kind of taking in our footsteps to say, all right, you developed me. Now look what I can do. I can develop something better than both of us. And also it's going to murder everybody. Freaking Magneto. Yeah. So he's so he's a bad guy. Yeah. But um but it's funny, it, my daughter hated Ian Holm, who is a secret synthetic person in the first film. But then she loved what was his name? His name is Ash or whatever. Bishop? No, Ash. Ash Ketchum was Ian Holm. Oh. And then a second yeah. one it had Bishop and it was great because she was very vocal about how she didn't trust Bishop at all. But then by the end, she's like, he's okay. This one's okay. You're not the ex. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, really enjoy them. I, I I didn't think I'd watch them with a nine-year-old, but at the same time, I realized it was about that age I started watching some of this stuff. So I'm watching stuff with my daughter now. She's 13, so I'm allowing her to watch some yeah. more heady content or mm-hmm. more like PG-13 or mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Okay, so... Could I show Alien to my 13-year-old and be okay? The first film? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. There's a little bit of rough language, but it's, you know, minimal. Nothing that she doesn't hear from Uh, her peers. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not not even close, right? There's no nudity, and the violence is not that visible. Mm-hmm. It's mostly it's, suspense. It's related. mostly suspense. It's right. the threat of violence. That's yeah. That's the and stuff that's I pre- that alien prefer. Personnel. And honestly, that's still true of aliens. Aliens has a ton of coarse language, mm-hmm. a ton, right? Yeah. But the violence is, for the most part, still a lot of it is off screen. A great example is when they set up the the sentry turrets, which again, for a lot of people in the 80s, this would be the first time they've ever seen automated sentry turrets, where we play video games where it's like we're dropping them left and right, right? You know, I'll be Torbjorn. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, the but this it was very novel at the time. They set up these sentry turrets. I almost wonder how audience at the time, if they even understood what they were watching, but they were basically planning what's the best place to put our sentry turrets. We got a handful of these, and they're planning out strategically where to place them to make sure the aliens can't come through the shaft at night. And there's like minutes where these you're just watching the ammo count. You can't even have a video of the of the aliens getting shot. You're just hearing in the distance the guns going off, and then on an LCD screen they're watching the ammo count go down. And so a lot of the violence in that film is kind of like that. It's not you're still not directly seeing it. I always thought of Aliens as a much more violent movie, 
But it's really not. It's really, really not. It's a little more depressing and hopeless, but at the same time, Alien is more isolating and... You know, you get you get more in in aliens. You get more of like the kill me kind of Duke Nukem. You know, <laughs> was inspired by uh, people that have been just harvested for food, right, and stuff like that. You get like one short, brief scene of that with Captain Dallas in the first one. Um, I I think any thirteen year old who's not super sensitive, mm-hmm. I feel like Alien is actually a really good high quality candidate to show them what science fiction can be when it's not just fantasy, fantastical Western, whatever, when it's actually doing a, a a gentle thought experiment. Mm -hmm. Like this movie is about regular people in an isolated, an isolated situation because of corporate greed and what the result is. And then aliens kind of ham fists its way through the aftermath of the look corporate greed like it's still there it didn't go away and stuff look what it's done her kid died and stuff after she grew up and stuff the corporations are bad man whereas alien was just like well we're here you signed a contract this is what you got to do if you want to get paid you know freaking paul mm-hmm. reiser he's yeah. the worst yeah paul reiser <laughs> in home every time that paul reiser yeah paul reiser guy he'll get so that's me. That's me. I uh, have an update on Moral Engines. Triple threat, Howie, over here. Sequel, right? It lost over <laughs> $174 million. Oh, making it one of the most, one of the biggest, flops. one of the biggest failures of all time. Peter Jackson, right there. There was, there was a lot of CGI in that movie. Like wow. everything was CG. $250 million to make it. 83. Wow. <laughs> How do they not understand that about him yet? They didn't market that at all. Because they probably knew it was terrible and they didn't want oh, to spend yeah. more money. It was on just it. his screenplay. He really wasn't a producer or a director. <coughs> if Peter Jackson no, was, he was, he was, he was, a, a producer. he was, he was listed as a producer, but there were six people listed or five. I defy Damn. anyone to watch Peter Jackson's King Kong. And tell me that that person's a good filmmaker. Now I love fright, Lord of the Rings. The Frighteners, or the well, the Frighteners is such a goofy, low budget, doofy, doofus thing. You can almost enjoy it for being dumb. You know what I mean? No, wait a minute. Wasn't um, uh, the Lovely Bones is actually a very interesting film? Did Peter Jackson do the bad. one? Um, what is that called? Um, District Nine. No, that's no. Neil Blomkamp. Okay. Really? Yeah. I thought that was Peter Jackson. No, District Nine. I uh, Peter Jackson may have been like uh, involved in some way, but but it was Neil Blomkamp's big uh, his full feature debut because up until that point he was primarily known for doing the Halo shorts. God, I've reached the right amount of alcohol to under remember everyone's name and everything. <laughs> in any in two minutes, I'm going to be tipped in either direction, and we'll see which way that is. Okay, Garrick's next. Yay, that's me. Hey guys. You guys like uh card games? Like no, like card games? I hate like them. Uh, like uh like skip yeah. bow? I hate card games. Like skip bow? Mm-hmm. Or uh, the Uno? Yeah. The Uno. Uno. I guess they you got a sequel dose? Now. I saw a dose on the dose. shelf the other day. Yeah, weird. Uh so we 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 used to play a lot of Magic the Gathering, like yep. IRL Girl, cards. Right. I yeah, so every now, cards, baby. Yeah, we we'd sling cards, man, slinging them. 
So every now and then I get the itch to play a card game. Yeah. So uh, I don't have anybody to play with because, you know, I don't have any friends. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I decided to download a new card game to my phone, Euler device, to play cards with. So I didn't download Magic because uh, I guess if you don't know about Magic, it's incredibly frustrating to play and <laughs> put together a deck. Because there's literally 70 billion cards you can choose from. Yeah, you know what's at and the end of that tunnel. You've been there before. <laughs> there's no deck. There's no deck card limit. Uh, the way we play, I don't know. Tournaments might have them, but you literally have 80 billion cards in your deck, and that's legal. So it gets, it gets a little complicated. Expanded, so yeah. I decided to play a new card game. This maybe the most popular or second most popular after Pokemon? Magic the Gathering. What? Pokemon? No. Yu-Gi-Oh? I, I played that. It's terrible. Yes, Yu-Gi-Oh! You know, I was just having a conversation with somebody <laughs> at work yesterday about how Pokemon seems like it's almost the hardest one of all of the games to play. It's it's the least fun. Yeah, I'll because say, the I'll mechanics are so Yukurian. <laughs> well, the, the reason I like Magic, and probably the re- what I'm going to get into about Yu-Gi-Oh! is yeah. like, there is a strategy involved. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> Yeah, not only is it there's a, a good portion based on luck, but there's a good portion based on okay, I didn't draw the cards that I wanted to starting out, but I can still work with what I got somehow, mm-hmm. depending on what the competitor plays. And <clears throat> so I downloaded Yu-Gi-Oh! Dual Links, which uh, is an app on my phone. Basically, took me through a tutorial of how to play, how to um, you know do all this stuff and it's it's actually really fun and it's it seems like a very simplistic game um the app plays a modified version of the actual card game called speed duel okay so in the app the the rounds are like they they're only they only last like five to six five to ten minutes that's what an app and ten would be. be stretching it anything longer than that and you're getting distracted away from your phone yeah so, like, usually Yu-Gi-Oh, the typical card game, you can set out a maximum of, I think, five or six uh, monster cards and five or six trap and spell cards. And you have, I, I think your life points are 6,000. But the speed duel, you can only set three traps, spells, and three monsters simultaneously. Uh, and in your deck is a max of 30. So car, the cards you pick have to be work well together so you get to build that strategy it's it's actually kind of fun because even with that limiting factor um so oh, i guess i should back up there's three types of cards there's monster <laughs> traps wait a minute guys spells. you're not gonna understand how to play Yu-Gi-Oh yet <laughs> yeah hold on let me break it down for you because <laughs> i've watched the anime and i've watched all those and i didn't know how to play it even though they were Playing it all throughout the that was what the whole show was about. Was it really? But, uh, was it about selling the game? Oh, it's funny because it's the the anime is based on the manga. Yeah, the guy who who wrote and drew the manga, he only intended he wanted to make it a, a manga about fighting, but only not like fighting typically like fist to fist or something like that. He wanted to make it through games. And so the first two chapters were about the card game called Duel Monsters. And he was going to eventually move on to... I did not know that at all. Yeah. 
he was going to eventually move on to different types of games, but the the first uh, the first ones released were so incredibly popular that he just made the whole manga center around the card game. I did. And eventually, <laughs> they, it became one of the best selling card games in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is yeah, uh, yeah. That's pretty interesting. So yeah, there's monsters, uh, traps, which. I think trap cards are what sets Yu-Gi-Oh apart from a lot of other games. Is that where all where the they... memes come from? <laughs> yes. I always see, I always see memes. You've activated trap my cards. trap card. <laughs> but I'm like, what is this? Because these, like, the card design looks really old. But I guess Yu-Gi-Oh's been around a long time. Yeah, it's been around for. So trap cards basically are cards you lay down face down. So whoever you're playing against doesn't know what's on them. So they kind of have to like, oh, what's that? What's it got over there? Yeah. And you can. You can lay a spell card down that doesn't do anything there just because you want to, like, maybe convince your opponent you have a trap. Yeah, you're psyching them out. Yeah, but the, the trap cards do different things. Like, you, they could have the uh, three of the biggest, baddest-ass monsters, and you have nothing. And there's a trap card that says if uh, a monster attacks you directly, you can send all those monsters uh, back to their deck. So it's basically like there's there's a bunch of cool strategy involved. And yeah, I'm having fun with it, especially since the the rounds only take a few minutes each. Yeah. And you can unlock new cards and buy new decks and customize your deck. You have no idea how happy I am to know where trap cards come from because it's been (laughs) fucking me for years now. Yeah. You flip over your trap card. You've activated my trap card. (laughs) Foolish. Now you're dead. Excellent. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so. excellent good times mike well i um have been partaking in my hbo max subscription uh, <laughs> i wanted to check out the uh the dc section man see what they have what's got going on um temporarily it's i have to admit it, okay so yes the app is disappointing or the Subscription. The content, yeah, content is disappointing. What? Wait a minute. HBO made a streaming service with disappointing content. <laughs> it's an emergency. <laughs> Stop the presses. I mean, their their movie section, their HBO movie section is fine. There's plenty of titles in there and everything. But I mean, the appeal again going into this because you're paying 15 bucks a month or something. If you have AKA, a too much. Right. Too much. <laughs> again, I get it free because of my cell phone subscription. Right. So. I probably um, do too. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I went into into the DC section to check it out, and uh, I mean they have some of the newer stuff in there. But I was pleasantly surprised to see that they had Supergirl. I was going to say Supergirl had to be there because it's, yeah. the, it's it would cost them less than a penny. Yes, anytime they did not have su- the, any of the Superman movies, nope. any of the Christopher Aww. Reeve Superman movies. Yeah, but they Ew. had Supergirl in there, and I was like, oh, I haven't watched this in a while, so I <laughs> popped it. In. Ah, uh, okay. So, Supergirl, I have. Lance Slater still so hot. I have a love hate relationship that with this movie terrible. because yeah. this movie—it's terrible. But there are parts of it that are really endearing. I love this movie, and it is bad. It's bad, but it is. And there's—it's Helen Slater. I mean, she just God. she just falls into she that role. She is inhuman. There <laughs> is, is like there. She's. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that she's like some sort of actual god. <laughs> because she doesn't come across as a human she doesn't act like a human she's too beautiful to be human but yet there's like a isn't she Kara Zor-El she's like 
Yes. You know, Kryptonian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's not, but she's not larger than life, but yet she's got this like bubbling, sizzling charisma that I. Oh, well, just the. She's on my list. My wife would understand. Okay, so on paper, this this movie should have done well. Um, oh yeah. It ended up doing fourteen million at the box office. Yeah. I, which by the is, way, I'm it, pretty sure my mom. What time? What year did it come out? Eighty four. Yeah, this might have been one of my first films. I'm pretty sure my mom took me to see this. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, now this comes on the heels though of Superman the movie and Superman two. Superman the movie, for example, made three hundred million worldwide. Yep. In seventy nine, that's big dollars. That's monster. That's monster. huge. So, um. So this girl again, not girl. This this movie on paper should have done well. It had Helen Slater, who was yeah. at the height of her career, probably or right in the Billie midst Jean. of it. Yeah, and Billie she's Jean. also gorgeous. Yeah, but l- listen to this cast. And Jimmy Olsen, come on! I was gonna say, listen to the cast here, man. Yeah. You have Faye Dunaway. I know Helen Slater, oh, Peter man. O'Toole, Mia Farrow, Peter O'Toole, Peter Cook. There we go. Mark Under McClure. Um, so you've got a big, ca- I mean, they attracted a big cast to this. Yeah. I mean, they, Peter O'Toole was literally their Obi-Wan. <laughs> Ish, <laughs> you whatever. Know what I mean? Faye Dunaway was like, they're like, all right, find someone that everybody respects, but nobody's paying right now. <laughs> I'll get the mommy dearest chick. You know? Okay. Like, so they have, they have the cast. Yeah. And, and again, and, and actually when you dig into the movie, they had, the comic elements there. I mean, you have oh, you have Argo right. You have Argo City. They bring uh, Jimmy Olsen into this. Yeah, the fuck the the the, the pardon me. The fact whoa <laughs> that that Argo too City much is in this movie in a time where this type of comic element would never no. be in a movie. No, uh uh-uh. it was too it was too comic y for it was the too, time. It was too high concept for a blockbuster yes. average audience. Right. They're talking about there's discussions about inner space versus outer space. Oh, and yeah. I mean, it was just it was very different for the time. I was surprised to go back and, and see some of those elements. So and then so and then you have like, you know, Lois, she roommates with Lois Lane's sister. And I mean, there's they have all the draws here. And initially, originally, they were going to have Christopher Reeve in this movie, which had they done that, this would have made this like. So substantial. Oh, substantially. I mean, I think just his appearance oh, in this alone yeah. would have shot this into the stratosphere uh, in terms probably. of. Uh, and I, I wish I don't the, know why the DC Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe with enough lead time to actually build up to a Justice League that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, okay. So again, on paper, this made sense. The execution, the writing on this was just. God, awful. no one could deliver oh, dialogue this Lord. awkward <laughs> better than Helen Slater because she doesn't come across as a normal human. She, she really doesn't. She, but that—that's what she's the only character in the entire movie where the awkward dialogue works because she's weird. Yes, right, right, and the Supergirl and I mean that in the most loving and way. Actually, Kara Zor-El is weird. I mean, yeah. in other iterations in the comics and in other animated versions of, of her also, story. Faye Dunaway does a nice job, and I don't know the name of the actress who plays like her. Oh, her sidekick Bianca! or whatever. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, but like, she's great. Brenda Vaccaro. Yeah, everybody else, everybody else in the film is awkward, except for Peter <laughs> O'Toole, who's just like, I showed up from my trailer drunk. Just roll the cameras and we will capture whatever we need to do. I am barely going to hold my eyes on one spot at a time. 
Like his eyes are just drifting. Hold on, he is wasted the entire film. He's got two scenes. He's got the the initial scene on Argo City, and, and then, then the Phantom whatever Zone. it was at the end, the yeah. Phantom Zone, <laughs> right? Phantom Zone, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that's another element that they pulled yeah. in. Now, the Phantom Zone was introduced in Superman two to right. a wider audience, but here you went in the Phantom Zone and actually like this is what it's like inside the weird right. parallelogram. <laughs> oh boy! So the yeah. writing is so terrible, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that initial scene on Argo City, it, it was cool-ish, and then they started bring, they brought out the megahedron, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tell you right now, no one, no one sat in the theater and understood. Oh, this city was saved from the destruction of Krypton. Yeah, you couldn't. And they're hurtling through microspace because it was the only way to keep themselves from being destroyed. Right? Every, no, everyone who saw the movie went. These are some weird people in a big white room with some cool looking stairs and yep. a magic circle and yep, blonde. Yeah, right. <laughs> and a blonde. Yeah. That and, carried and the a, scene. And a blonde, a single blonde. <laughs> She's the only reason that you go through that scene. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she really did. I mean, just, I mean, other than her, uh, you know, physical appearance, which is gorgeous and everything else, blah, blah, blah. <gasps> but her personality in the film, it really does carry it. I mean, that's yeah. really the only, She's one of the only redeeming qualities. She shows both innocence and strength of character, which most people I don't think could straddle that. And I think she, she I mean, because I'm a fan of Supergirl and I've read some of the comics and, yeah. and seen other iterations and, and animation and stuff. She really, she really kind of embodies that character because mm-hmm. that character is is innocent and gets thrown yeah. into weird They've situations made more and like sassy teeny bopper sure. versions of her since but really i think yeah carzorel is at her strongest when yeah it's a mixture of innocence and also okay i'm innocent and all but you're bad and stop right <laughs> yeah yeah there's for example there's a scene where she's on earth and and uh <laughs> for some reason she's standing and she's still like exploring the surroundings right yeah she finally gets there Is and the construction dudes with yeah the, well no the, 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 they're truckers and All they get truckers, out and right. they stop and they're like yeah we about to have a good time blah, yeah. blah, blah. they're coming up there and then she just grabs the one guy by his face and just crushes it yeah <laughs> you're like oh okay uh, yeah she can she can hold her own yeah she's all right so um but yeah just the oof the plot points, the rhythms, everything is just really weird. Um, because, I mean, it it moves so fast from Argo City to, okay, now she's on Earth exploring. And for some reason, she just walks by a school and decides, oh, I'm going to go to school. And yeah, suddenly walk past a tree and be a brunette. <laughs> yeah, now she's a brunette. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and just happens to run into to Lucy Lane, you know, yeah. who's, who knows Superman. And you yeah, know, you're like, no. Oh. She's like, yeah, yeah. She's Lois Lane's sister and is also dating Jimmy Olsen, yeah. which I feel like Lois would take issue with. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, I liked all those connections. Right. But again, the execution was so weird. And like, like you said, some of, a lot of what, the actors were just phoning it in. What and, was Faye Dunaway in this movie? What was she? What was she? I mean, okay, so she's the villain. She's the villain. What? She's she is a witch. A witch. Right. <laughs> so yep. let's say someone pitches Superman three to okay, you. Okay. And right. instead of saying it, we're gonna do Superman three. And it's going to have a famous comedian and a chick who gets turned into a robot. <laughs> they say, instead of that, Superman's going to fight a warlock, and it's 1984. Right. right. Someone's going to go, 
No, 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 the hell he's not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to airbrush that on the side of my van. <laughs> because at that time, magic and fantasy was as lowbrow as you could possibly yeah, get. Yeah, right. Witches and wizards were all in. The, I mean, we were starting to move into the whole satanic scare movement. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, Faye Dunaway's a witch, but she's also just like, you know, a Karen. Yeah. And also she lives in an abandoned she, She's a she's reason. a witch in quotey fingers. She's yeah. like she's like the the palm she's, uh, the, she's the palm like, reader. She's the crystal, yeah, the crystal right. witch. Right. Which I don't think there was a lot of understanding. There wasn't a stereotype as much at that time. Sure. It's kind of a hard character to just I didn't care. I grew up loving it. Yeah. But I look back at it and I'm like, this seems out of fish out of water. Yeah. Fish out of time. It just uh, the again the performances were really not good, and the writing was terrible. But again, I mean, it was so. Also, cl- there's a dragon. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> it was so close. It could. It was so close to being something of quality. I know. And it just wasn't quite there. But it's still one of those bad movies that I just love for some reason. That dragon so. scared the piss out of me. Dude. <laughs> I would cover my eyes. I was so scared of that dang thing. I would have nightmares. I'd wake up in sweats thinking about that dragon. No. <laughs> joke so anyway that was a fun trip down memory lane excellent thank you hbo max let's make some new memories with some new mike i have to perform a wedding in 12 hours all right here we go the sequel trilogy in the news this week. You mean what? Of Star Wars? Of the Star variety. Wars variety. They get enough money to reboot it? Uh, <laughs> you're you're kind of you're you're leading me down the path, man. We're rebooting all of Star Wars from now on it's called The Star Wars. Ooh, I like all it. All right. So this is completely rumory. There's not really a, a news story per se. To, to go with this, um, but uh, there's been a lot of lot of chatter that uh, and this chatter you got some chatter going. <laughs> yeah, hey, better, better, better. Got to get that chatter. So we sweet. <laughs> um, Good eye, Brian. <laughs> grape. <laughs> nice. Also <torso>. grape. <laughs> Sorry, we're diverting. Okay, so a lot of chatter this week online. And, and we've talked about this before, that there is an internal battle at Lucasfilm right now. Again, all rumor, none of this is official, blah, 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 that there are forces at Lucasfilm but that they want... have literally created a French Revolution-style barricade between two office buildings. <laughs> you know, on one hand, you have the Kennedyites, you know, pulling Lucasfilm one way, and on the other side, so again, all supposedly you have the... Filoni slash, uh, oh, what's his buddy's name? Favreau. Favreauites on the other side, pulling Lucasfilm in a different direction, you know, and that there's this big internal battle. Okay, so. Yeah, sounds like such hilarious fan fiction, but please proceed. <laughs> I know. What's George Lucas? It's pretty funny. Where's he at? He's the guardian of the wills. <laughs> George is just sitting off to the side kind of laughing, yeah. I think. It's like, yeah. ho, 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 ho. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, I haven't, even, I haven't even cashed this check yet. I don't even need to, but I can. Want me to? I'm going to walk to the bank. Here I go. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. No, but I could, though. (laughs) I framed it. (laughs) I keep it in my bedroom. 
Okay. So the new rumor. You got a big one made out of cardboard. <laughs> they handed it to me. <laughs> yeah. We cut the ribbon and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's legal tender. Yeah. The mouse handed it to me. It was cute. Bob, anyway. <laughs> Bob Iger signed it with a Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The new rumors this week. Again, kind of far-fetched in my opinion, but just going to kind of gauge some reaction here. Okay, so supposedly there's warning factions at Lucasfilm, and there is a new rumor this week that the sequel trilogy, which arguably had a start off pretty strong with uh, Force Awakens and Mm -hmm. maybe ended not quite as strong. A tepid response (laughs) in total compared to expectations. Yes, right. Um, Box office market decline from the first movie to the third. And uh, so anyway, so there's talk. It's sad that we can't immediately say most of that's the fault of the second. Uh, Oh, wait, we can. I just did. We totally can. Okay, so the rumor is that there is a an attempt now by factions inside of Lucasfilm to <laughs> write the sequel trilogy out of existence. Hey, Herb. Psst. Herb. <laughs> Herb. I can't talk to you, man. Herb, what, fac- what faction are you doing? <laughs> I'm part of the Favreau Guild. <laughs> are you guys going on a raid tonight? <laughs> Yeah, we've got a bunch of blank USB sticks. <laughs> we're going to steal all Kathleen's pins. That's right. We're going to take all, all right. the pins. So all the good staples. This, this rumor goes the fo- the following way. So in, in the series Star Wars Rebels, there is the, what is it, time between times, space between times? Space time, between times or whatever. Something like that. That was introduced in Land Before time. season three or four of Day Rebels. Between. Yeah. And... So inside that, we find out that there is this dimension that kind of connects all Star Wars time and space and all these different events, or, right? Yeah, at least these like linchpin-like moments in fate. Yes. And so, and and famously in the Rebels scene, I mean, or in the Rebels series, there is the scene where um, it's uh, Ezra, right? That pulls, um, that pulls mm-hmm. Ahsoka. Ahsoka out from Vader. The battle with Vader. Right. Because after that initial fight in, I think, season three, we don't know what becomes of her. In season four, we find out, well, it's because Ezra pulled her in. Yeah. And uh, or saved her. the her. future. Ooh. Ooh. Not really. They're okay. Between, in between. So there is a, there is a <laughs> retconning of sorts happening where um, the reason, the way Palpatine was able to survive the... Death Star 2 when Vader threw him into the reactor core. He threw him pit, into the Emperor garbage chute. Into the pit, <laughs> the Sith pit. Um, that the way he was able to do that, if you remember in the Rebels episode, Palpatine was flirting with the space between time, right? right. Oh, he was yeah. attempting to send flames through it. And yeah. He was attempting to access it. Yeah. And um, so, anyway, the, the story goes that Palpatine was able to, after he was thrown over the, the ledge by Vader, was able to access the space between time. Pull <laughs> him, have a portal gun? Pull himself yeah, in dude. somehow. And it act, and then, boots on. And then reassert himself into Exegol. But, so he's damaged because he was thrown down the pit, but it was able to essentially escape, Keep right? Keep himself from being obliterated. And then, therefore, you have all the events set in motion for the sequel trilogy, right? 
because it's all ends up being and the I mastermind look at this of Palpatine. As okay, if we ignore everything better that came before the sequel trilogy, then this is a perfectly fine explanation sure. of why he wasn't yeah, right incinerated. Right. And you're using different elements that have been, you know, made part of the At canon. At the same blah, time, blah, blah, blah. in Rise of Skywalker, he says how he's died before. Yeah, so. I know. So it doesn't quite I don't feel make like sense. We even need this, but it's fine. Okay, so supposedly the faction that is going to try to write the sequel trilogy out of existence are saying that there is an attempt to make a novel, comic, animation of some sort where um, Palpatine is intercepted in the space between time and killed there, therefore... Eliminating the sequel trilogy from existence. Seven, eight, nine do not exist, right? Okay, so that's how, that's how the rumor goes. What, couldn't um, he technically form an army of Palpatines? Just pull them out of different. Yeah, he just keeps uh, oh, going through. Like, maybe the that's same what turn. the crowd was. He keeps they were going back and forth through the same turnstile and in between. <laughs> there you go. Pulling, keep himself out pulling out times. more and more emperors of himself. And have an army. That's yeah, right. It's like when you figured out how to enable the cheat console in uh, in uh, <laughs> Dark Forces or in uh, Jedi Outcast. You just spawn like yeah. eight hundred Sith acolytes in a room. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, I love, I love that. shoving them into the engine. Blinky things that incinerated him. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was always fun. I don't know. So anyway, so anyway, I guess I'm throwing that out there for discussion. How likely is this? Um, I guess uh, let's a few questions. I mean, how likely is this scenario? How likely is it that there is internal strife at Lucasfilm? You know that type of thing. All right, I'm going to enact a scene for you. All right, Hooray. do it. Hooray! I finally achieved my dream. I have a job at Lucasfilm. I never thought I'd make it, but I'm finally here. Now to show full rebellion and non-acceptance of my marching <laughs> orders by staging a coup. End scene. Ridiculous, right? Stupid as nuts. <laughs> However, that doesn't mean that there's not some quiet sentiment about this kind of thing. Maybe not sure. as specific as we've said. Maybe that's just hypotheticals. It, maybe but this even originated from people within Lucasfilm. It could be. It could be. And honestly, there I wouldn't be surprised to hear that there's boardroom talk being kicked around going, how, how, I mean, for our massive investment for that big cardboard check that we gave to George, <laughs> how much have we poisoned the water hole of goodwill? Sure. And is there any way to unpoison that water hole? I solo tell, two baby. That's how I would <laughs> solo two. I would. I agree. Give me solo, solo two. two. But I would tell you, there's no way to unpoison the water hole. Solo it, two. It's poison. You can't. You can't pull the poison back out. Um, solo and pulling a DC and just two. doing a reboot every four or five years angle fix it. Or, I mean, is there any doubt that the water hole has been poisoned? Because I think there would be some people that would deny that. Oh yeah. There's some now, people that I'm would gonna deny it, but there's people that deny all kinds of things like the Holocaust and stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some numbers out here for you. I mean, we talked about the you know Force Awakens to Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker. I mean, the box office on all three declined. Yeah. Um, their um toy runs through that whole thing. Oh my god. Abysmal. <laughs> I'm just oh gonna give an anecdote. I'm gonna give it full to see where it started and where it ended. I'm gonna give an anecdotal um story here, but yeah. me and the wife I'm sure I have similar experience to whatever you're gonna <laughs> me, say. Me and the wife went to to Ollie's, which is a, a kind of a restore. Uh, it's a discount store, so it's like basically plus stock other stores can't move. Right. So they buy the stuff that other stores can't move. And 
their Star Wars section is enormous. No way. Enormous. It, it used to be. <laughs> I would look. I haven't been there in a long time, though. Stop. It's enormous. No, that can't be true. <laughs> I did just buy a DJ Black Series 6-inch fig at uh, Five Below for $5. Let's just say it's bigger. The the the, the store section at Ollie's is bigger than what you'll see at Target, Walmart. Oh well, that's nothing. Oh, you mean bigger than zero? <laughs> yeah, bigger than nothing. <laughs> Incredible. I know. So I don't care what people say. And the, the toy, the toy thing, and collectibles was a disaster yep. through that sequel. Oh, trilogy. here's the problem: movies weren't fun. So kids didn't like them, especially when the they had a Jedi. lot of they had Last a lot Jedi of happened and they're like no child came away say, satisfied by that film. No, mine didn't. That, and there was zero interest can't, after mine that. Can't sit through it. She mm-hmm. gets so that, bored, and she gets yeah, so, and goes. It's boring. Speaking right. of merchandising, the new Black Series, you know, they've announced some of those come out. And God, did you? Really? I think we were talking about this on Discord, and how we noticed how there were zero sequel characters in the new line shocking. the new wave <laughs> shocking yeah they're going they're going cl- uh, i mean because empires um having an anniversary the 40, yeah, yeah 40th anniversary obviously. right now yeah but so there's a lot of empire stuff but they're they were they're releasing the entire rebel line so there's <laughs> oh my gosh any sequel characters so there you go mike your answer's right there there are some people who would deny that the sequel trilogy was overall a boondoggle but if you you can play opinions, you can play, you know, people climbing up on a cross for whatever reason, but you'll follow the dollars. And if you look at that business, well, it's here's here's the thing. Evident. Someone some people would say that they were profitable. And I would say, yeah, but profitability and success are two different things. Absolutely, right. Absolutely. Especially so, in Mouseland. Right. Right. So, yeah, those movies may have been profitable. But Disney ain't throwing Peter Jackson at projects. I'm just saying. <laughs> Truth. Oh, maybe Truth. they should. That'd but, be funny. I mean, to say that, you know, that the future of Star Wars is super bright after that sequel trilogy. No. no. It's still up. I mean, the, the only the only bright spot right now, at least in my opinion, is the Mandalorian series, yeah. you know, which was. And then uh, some people are excited about. Taika Waititi doing a movie, I guess. <laughs> I yeah. am. I have no. I mean, I'm not super excited. I'm just like, oh, I like him. I like his work. Sure. And I like Star Wars. So, yay. Um, if I hear more about it, I might get jazzed. I'll res- yeah, I was going to say, I'll reserve my judgment until I hear and more. And Solo, but- too. And I am nervously <laughs> optimistic about Charles Sewell first book about the uh, high judge. Well, high and then there's high, other... The high times. Jedi I mean, there's other... TV right projects that they're supposed to be doing that I I I want to have happen. <laughs> there you go. So I want the Obi Wan to be better than it sounds like it's going to be. Oh, you want it to be better than non-existent? Yeah, pr- <laughs> pretty much. Never going to happen. I have the question. I mean, never, has anybody heard never. anything about uh, Cassie and Andor? Never going to. That's kind of found, falling off well, the I've, radar. <laughs> I have been consistent from the announcement of that show that it would never happen. Yeah, well. I have said from the very jump that it won't happen because there is not enough widespread fan interest. Now, you're like, well, Mandalorian, nobody even knew what that was. Yeah, but do look like Boba Fett, and it didn't have the baggage. Cassidy Andor is literally a character that we know how he dies, mm-hmm. and it's in a, from a movie that was successful but not that successful, and the people didn't walk away from that movie talking about how cool that Cassian character was. 
I thought it was cool. You might have, but you were walking out of the theater talking about Baze Malbus. But the normies, even then, the normies don't know any of their the character The no, normies names. don't know jack about it, and there's nothing about that character to get them excited. I don't even think if you ask the normie on the street if they can name Jen Urso, I don't even think they'd no, be able to do that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. She was the main character. I know. Yep. I know. Matter. And I love her, and I love that movie. They can't but name Baze like and Malbus either, but they'll be like, oh, like, but when the dude, the blind guy was like, oh, I'm one with the fourth, the fourth with me. That was cool. And you're like, hell yeah, it was. That was a good movie. It is a really good movie. So in terms, basically what you're saying is in terms of these these rumors, the specifics of this rumor, probably not. But is there internal strife at Lucasfilm? Eh, maybe. Hey, Pro- I've worked even for, probably. I've worked for more than one company where 90% of the employees are going, the, does leadership know how bad it is? Yeah. Do they have an actual plan? And then someone says, you know, they don't have a plan. I know, but I have to ask it in question form because if I acknowledge that they have no plan, then I can't get up in the morning. I have worked for these companies and there's no reason for me to believe the Lucasfilm is any different with all of the questionable crap that's been done lately. I got to admit, I've been so apathetic about Star Wars lately. I just, I just don't even... Because I, I belong to all kinds of Facebook groups and all that stuff, and Not I just me. when those things hit my feed, I'm just like, eh, okay, yeah. Oh, there's nothing going. Usually, on. usually I, I I look at the memes and that's about it. I've in Twitter, I know I've just done wild unfollowing because the so many of the personalities that are established in the community are either toxic, like horribly toxic. Yeah, they're and just they're drumming up stuff now. I just don't to, mean the fandom menace. I mean the fandom menace and the, uh, the suck ups are equally toxic and they just want to fight because that's the, it's like, it's like, you know, Oh no, there's no basketball or baseball to watch. So let's fight about star Wars. I mean, I know they've been doing it longer than that, but that's the equivalent of it. It's like, they're just trying to fill up. I mean, that's, that's the basic internet right now. Right. I mean, a lot of these channels, I mean, that's how they get their business. That's how they get their clicks by generating. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's how regular people find meaning. I've been saying forever. The reason why football is so popular in America is because men don't have identity anymore middle class men have no identity and so they fill it with sports knowledge and i fill it with star wars and computer we all fill it with different crap because we're trying to find identity and so if you're not angry about something you just fill it with something and i think this is no different than that let's fill it with star wars rage it's stupid you guys want to go on to uh yeah happy things happy things i'll give you something to be happy about Wait a, Michael, minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your hand's getting awful close. <laughs> Is it right, Solo 2? Can I do this? Solo 2! Can I do this Woo! so that we can hear this and share this with the masses? Okay. Michael Keaton in talks to play Batman. What? According Again? to the Hollywood Reporter. Batman yeah. in talks to play Batman. Batman in talks to play Batman. The real Batman. Batman in Birdman. talks to play Batman. Birdman, Batman. Birdman, Batman to play Batman. Oh, uh, apparently this is a tr- this is a thing that's happening right now. So there had been rumors months ago um, about um, doing a what's the Batman comic where Bruce Wayne's old and it's, Batman Beyond. Not, Batman that Beyond. Be Flash. Oh, that. Yeah. Okay. There was rumors that there may be a Batman Beyond arc and that he'd come back yeah. and play old Bruce Wayne, which yeah, I yeah. still think would be bad as hell. That'd be badass from hell in the hands of the right okay. director. So, so listen to this. So according to Hollywood Reporter, yeah. um, 
Keaton is in talks to play Batman again in the new Ezra Miller Flash, Flash movie, movie. Which they've been trying to get off the ground oh, for five years. They have. That's a little more exciting. I mean, seriously, Ezra Miller is going to be collecting it. He's going to be like an AARP member before <laughs> we actually get this. Well, let's cross our fingers and hope that they can make this work somehow. Because yeah. I think this would be a good thing for DC. The, the idea is that the Flash movie right now that they're looking at doing would be like a retelling of the Flashpoint story. Right, yes. My fear then would be that Michael Keaton would be playing Thomas Wayne and not Bruce Wayne, which I would hate. I don't know the Flashpoint story, so I can't count. Spoilers, here you go. You ready? Uh, Flash goes back, saves his mom, comes back to the present. Time is all screwed up. Things are wibbly wobbly. And Batman is like old and grizzled. And he figures out it's not Bruce. It's Thomas. Bruce doesn't exist because he died in an alley mm. when he was killed by a robber. Gotcha. And as a result of that, his father became a hero to prevent crime. But guess what? Mommy also survived. Martha went insane mm. and became the Joker. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Making more sense. It's a cool story. Right. But it's been told a couple different times already. And I think if if they were to do a bait and switch with Michael Keaton playing Thomas Wayne, that would be infuriating because he's Bruce Wayne. That'd be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So but if they figure out a way to kind of re-kajigger that and just do a different kind of multiverse arc, which, you know, they're taking a they're taking a note from TV and they're going, wow, general audiences can actually handle this pretty easily maybe we can take more risks in film then maybe it could work but i I would want him to be literally the tim burton batman period because and it's important to point out i mean ezra miller exists in a timeline where ben affleck is bruce wayne and batman right right? because as everybody's understanding it right now the batman uh with uh cedric diggory sounds like it's gonna be it's a different it's gonna be a different right Mm -hmm. in fact dc's just giving up on connected reality i think so yeah well unless they can do something here i don't know we'll see um but on a more positive note even than that this uh article goes on to suggest that keaton would be signing on for more than one project Right. And that he could potentially be doing other DC projects. Which way? Which <laughs> I guess would open up the way for like a Batman Beyond. That, or... was, that was why I said Shway. Yeah, You're not hardcore enough. To <laughs> I don't. You don't know, Mike. I don't. Sorry. Yeah, that's what they, that, that's the word for cool in Batman Beyond amongst teenagers. And then <laughs> beautifully, and this is why the, this is why the CW shows sometimes I love. When Barry and Iris' daughter from the future comes back to hang out with them in the present, like a couple times, she's like, oh, Shway. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, it's been 20 years. I love these people. <laughs> because it's literally a cartoon series from like 20 years, 20 plus years ago. And they still threw in that word. All right. So this is what the article says, quote, but wait, there's more. If a deal makes, if a deal makes... Keaton wouldn't just return for Flash, but possibly for several other DC-oriented film projects. Sources tell THR that the role being envisioned for the veteran actor as akin to the role played by Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Basically, he would be like a mentor or a guide, essentially, for... They're going to put the team together after throwing it together and failing. Hey, what does it mean when a deal makes? Does that mean that it poops? I don't know. That's just how it was written. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a deal makes. Got to do it. Make, it makes make. it. Hey, Howie. All the way. Make? Have you made? Uh, I'm, do, I'm doing uh, the Beverly Goldberg hand motion, Garrick. Yeah, I know. 
Anyway, I think this is pretty positive news for DC, man. I mean, there's not a lot of positive stuff coming out of the DC camp. And yeah, it's all bullcrap. If they can get Michael Keaton signed on to this. I, of course, signing him on is one thing. Actually putting these projects together is quite another. And then having them not <laughs> blow goats would be a third thing. Truth. Yeah. But there are literally no bright stars in DC news. So That's a pretty big one. I it's more it's 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 funny cuz it seems like a desperate play but at the same time it's one that I would have done a long time ago. Well, you know, if so. they can turn the current state and, of and, and I say that as someone who actually loves this idea. Right. If they can turn the current state of affairs into some kind of multi multiverse continuity of some sort, I don't know. Yeah. It would be fun. It'd I be mean, cool. They went off the deep end with uh Crisis on Infinite Earths with The Flash and all the different uh, CW shows. And that was actually horribly executed but the high point of it was like all the little surprises like seeing sure seeing the burton batman universe tied mm-hmm. in right uh, with uh with what's his nuts the dude from arliss sitting there eating yep. a sandwich or whatever yep all the way down to the big surprise which was barry allen from the show running into barry allen from the movie yeah which no everyone always said they will never be connected WB movie said, no, we want nothing to do with the TV series, but they let Ezra Miller in the costume from Justice League show up on the show. And it did it serve a purpose other than to be impactful? No, but they're showing more flexibility than they have historically. And I believe that that lack of flexibility was more of a spreadsheet decision than it was a creative decision. It's that Warner Brothers movies just didn't think Warner Brothers TV deserved to play in the same field. And then they suddenly realize, oh, we're failing at everything, and the TV's going pretty well. For the most part, yeah. Maybe we should start to compare notes. I just I think that's their only play left, right? Other, other than breaking it up and just doing one-offs on everything. Right. Is to create a like again, a continuity of some sort where you can jump from universe to universe and you know, pull these characters in with each other and yeah. do little stories. And here's something else. I don't know. I'm just going to pull this out of nowhere. Maybe, I don't know, a Nightwing movie. My God. Yeah. How long does it take to make a Nightwing movie? Sweet jumping justice. Mm. Everybody who's into comics loves Nightwing. And everybody who's not, when they see the movie and realize that, oh, that's Robin. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have it right in the trailer. What happens when you leave the nest? You know, it was right there. <laughs> it writes itself. And okay. you'd have everybody. It's just literally you can do a Batman movie without the baggage of all the previous Batmans. It's pretty much just Robin grown up doing his own thing. Mass audiences understand he carries a couple of batons, beats the crap. Everybody. He's pretty much Daredevil, but he can see. You know what? <laughs> Here's the thing, man. We've done enough in terms of DC and their main, their Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. We've done origin stories now. Yeah. It's time to just migrate to dig into the well, you know, and and pull out the cool stuff and just start making some movies, man. Yeah, that people are gonna like. You know, we we don't need the the Batman origin story again. No. We don't need the Superman origin story. And that's the great again. thing about Nightwing is you don't need an origin story because you already know who Robin is. Sure, right. You know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of great stuff that the comic creators, these are these are these are paths that they forged decades ago. Right. They figured out how do we make it fresh without abandoning it, without right. without moving on completely. Right. And we are so stupid from oh, I'm sorry, 
Warner Brothers and DC are so stupid well, from a movie. Well, you know, perhaps, uh, and hopefully this is the case, I mean, maybe Marvel, I think in the past, prior to Marvel Avengers, right, there was a fear of going too crazy, like galactic and everything, you know, with aliens invading the Earth and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. But Guardians of the Galaxy changed things. Guardians changed mm-hmm. it, Avengers changed it, and, you know, Infinity War, all that stuff. I mean, now that those are successes and it's proof in the pudding that mass audiences can digest that type of thing yep maybe dc is going to be willing to dip their toe in it i don't know maybe maybe but you know what we got a lot more to dip our toe in le- uh left in this episode and we're already going along so we're going to move right along with the point blah, blah, blah. I don't know if y'all know this, but in the Avatar The Last Airbender series, mm-hmm. you got a dude that people like known as the Cabbage Merchant. <laughs> My cabbages! He's known for saying that phrase mm-hmm. repeatedly. In fact, he appears in four different episodes of the original series as a running gag when his cabbage stall gets destroyed by the gang or somebody aligned. But then in the follow-up series, The Legend of Korra, are you aware that the Cabbage Man heads up a super successful company named Cabbage oh. Corp? Cabbage Corp. Cabbage Corp. So at least you know that the Cabbage Man, despite all of his product losses at the hangs of Ang and crew, managed to come out on top. Aw, it's all that insurance money. They made a... A pop vinyl of Cabbage Man. Is there? Yep. I can see myself owning that. I can see myself already. I'm sure you can quite easily. All right, Mike, tell us what you what you love about Avatar Last Airbender. Avatar The Last Bender. The Last Airbender. <laughs> the Last <laughs> Bender of the Air. Woo, Last Bender. Not the Last Is bender. amazing for the following reasons. Okay, reason number one. I don't know. Mike oh. <laughs> did not watch any Avatar. I was going to ask the questions. You guys got to convince me tonight why I should watch this oh. film. All right, I'm going to tell All you right. why. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. You ready? Because yes. it's your damn job. It's your damn <laughs> job. Wait a minute. I don't get paid for this shit. It's your internship. Your old man internship. <laughs> Mike. I've been interning for way too long. Mike, if you like Cowboy Bebop, yeah. There's no way you're not going to like this show. I mean, they're totally different. Totally. Okay. They're completely different. <laughs> okay, so I have to ask this, this question. This is kids and not adults, but I'm just trying to pick on something that I know you like right now. I have now. to ask this question up front. Are we talking The Last Airbender, the ser- the TV series, or are we talking the movie? So here's I was, don't There was know. no movie. There is no movie. <laughs> it doesn't exist. The TV series is called Avatar the Last Airbender. The movie is called The Last Airbender because if, audience hypothetically, were too if there to not was a movie, it with Michael or whoever, James Cameron crap. Yeah. Okay. Let's, oh, let's, get, let's address. Let's address the drunken pink elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. M Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender movie. Never was heard of it. The biggest middle finger to fans. Of any product. You know, last week we talked about how it's, Harry Potter books three Star Wars and ha- Ryan Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ryan Johnson made a, made a better Star Wars movie <laughs> than M. M. Night Shyamalan made. Wow. 
uh, last Airbender movie. <laughs> now Mike's on board. Yeah, now he understands. <laughs> That's pretty profound. In fact, Mike, to really understand, you should watch all three uh, series or all three seasons of Avatar Last Airbender and then watch the movie so you can understand how Ryan Johnson... <laughs> Didn't miss the mark as much as it's humanly possible. Because M. Night Shyamalan made a movie where not only did he switch the race of everybody in the in the movie, he literally decided, you know what, every character's name should be pronounced differently. Oh, that's Aang fun. become became Ong. Sokka <laughs> became Soka. Yeah. Oh no. There more, right? Why would he do that? Well, they he messed with the uh the way the world works, because firebenders actually need us. I think firebenders needed a source of fire to bend fire first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, I didn't finish the movie, so I can't <laughs> say that. And he didn't watch it until recently. I saw it in theaters just because I was excited. I had recently watched the series. I knew it was probably going to be bad, but I went to see it, and I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh man. It is awful. Like all the way down to like you can tell like oh this shot was like a very expensive setup, very highly choreographed sweeping shot of action and it feels like it. <laughs> like you're literally like now we're looking at this person, now we're moving to this but like it was so the whole movie is terrible and artificial and it's supposed to kind of take place of book 1 of the series. There's yeah, three books. So. Okay. Which a lot of people, if you're dumb like me, you get disappointed when you start book three and you realize there's no book four. Because Aww. there are airbenders, waterbenders, okay, Mike? I'm, mm, I'm talking I'm to you. listening. Earthbenders and firebenders. Mm, right. Okay. The elements, okay. The How about the fifth element, though? No. There is are no, there Mila benders? There is no multipass. <laughs> <laughs> so At the end, there is... The, fifth the avatar is every generation. There is one person who can bend all four. Now, not everybody's a bender. Okay. There's people with special abilities, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Those but, are muggles. Yeah. There's muggles that aren't, but <laughs> the avatar is the one who can bend them all, but they have to learn. Right. Okay. Unfortunately, all the airbenders died off a hundred years ago, but this one kid was frozen in ice and comes back and he knows he's the avatar. But he hasn't learned water, fire, or earth bending. But he's a kid who already learned air bending with the airbenders before they died off, right? And so idiots like me think there's four books because there's four specialties, but he already <laughs> knew one of them starting out. So there's only three books. And so you get two thirds of the way through and you go, oh. So because you're really getting into it and it's really good. But anyway. <laughs> So the idea is that the Avatar kind of keeps everybody in checks and balances, but the Fire Nation, which has firebenders leading it, basically decides to attack everybody else. Do you understand the concept of bending, Mike? At least, you know. Um, I guess not. <laughs> Could they control? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know if you did. Okay, control. well, control. Thank well, you, Garrett. I mean, I guess yeah. I figured that. Yeah, yeah, control, fire, ice, or fire, water, earth, whatever. Right. Air. Yeah. So, okay. You watch yep. the intro to the show, you get a pretty quick tutorial right in the upfront. It's just like, you know, dude, like summon dirt up out of the ground, sure. and kicks it. Right. And stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I understand that. So, the show was a, a basically like a Western homage to the anime style. Mm -hmm. So, it's like anime uh, dialed back so it's not beyond ridiculous. Oh, so it's like Cowboy and Bebop. And also, it's, uh, <laughs> it has a coherent story. Yeah. <laughs> So it's got that going for it. 
And the voices are actually the voices, not some really tacked on hackney localization. Okay. Dave Filoni. Oh, yeah. Like Dave Filoni, Mike? Like the Dave Filoni? Like he is the avatar. Dave he worked, Filoni. He worked on the TV show? He's an animator huh? and a director of most what? of the episodes in the first season, according really? to how he's research. Okay. In fact, he was working on Avatar when Lucasfilm called him up and wanted him to come in and talk to Drew. I did hear about that because he talked about it on the uh, the little documentaries the on Avatar. the Disney Plus. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, basically, the each book is, yes, him working to learn the different bending that he doesn't know so that he will be strong enough to go up against the fire lord uh what's his name ozai 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 fire lord ozai who's like invading the other nations and stuff like that and to stop him but there's more than that going on like there's a waterbender named katara who's this girl that he's kind of like her and her brother find him in ice down in like the southern polar ice cap right and what's great is she can water bend a little bit her brother can't bend at all he's kind of a moron but he's also like the greatest hero <laughs> in the story <laughs> oh my gosh the depth uh but he starts off as just comic relief doofus right and then as they you know the water bending in the first one then they go and they meet an earth bender and uh the whole time there's a firebender who's the son of lord ozai prince zuko who has he's had some sort of failure in his like young career. He's like a young teenager and he's trying to figure out a way to redeem himself. And he thinks if he goes off and finds the avatar and kills him, he'll be redeemed. And his uncle, no, Oza no, no, no. What? No, that's not correct. Help me out. Okay. So <laughs> he lost his honor, right? And his, his, uh, his dad, fire Lord Ozai told him to capture the avatar. Okay. Because if they kill him, He'll just reincarnate. Oh, that's right. In, in the next, I think it was, what was the next one? Uh, water, maybe. Like somewhere in the water tribe, he'll reincarnate and they'll have to restart their search for him again. Yeah, because there's all, the Avatar reincarnates. That's why there's always one. Gotcha. And they, they've mm -hmm. got, at some point, they, they, they in some fashion, they have a connection to the previous ones. Like They might have the memories. They might be able to interact with the spirits, Like, but they are all the same person, essentially. Um, but in this case, it's this kid named Aang and yeah. And so Zuko's hunting the avatar and he's got part of the fire nations fleet and of ships and stuff. And he's got the single greatest animated character of all time <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> as his sort of mentor, which is his uncle. And I can't remember if Iroh is Ozai's brother or brother-in-law. Oh, I don't That's a good I thought it was his brother, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah, it might be Zuko's mother, because there's always been a big mystery about Zuko's mother that's never been resolved. But anyway, Uncle Iroh is the single greatest character in animation history. Mm -hmm. There is no greater character than Uncle Iroh, because first off, he's part of this evil, oppressive nation, but yet he's got this zen-like balance to his thinking that's just incredible. And you see this kid who's just full of hate over the course of these three series go through such a character evolution that it's it's almost mind-boggling at the end how much you love this character, even though he's mm -hmm. full of hate at the beginning. And Uncle Iroh the whole time is like teaching him all the life lessons that everybody needs to learn, but it's literally the bad guy getting all these life lessons. Avatar Last Airbender, I, I, uh, 
it's stupid how good this series is. It has no right <laughs> to be as good as it is. What year was this put out? Who? Uh, I think it started in '05. Oh, Maybe. Did this have a pre-existing like uh, graphic novel? Mm-hmm. Nope. Or, okay. Fresh to the Nickelodeons. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, it, it ran from 2005 to 2008. Yeah. Hmm. And this is an American. The, yes. This creation. is an American show. Yeah. It 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 originally premiered all three seasons on Nickelodeon. So it was animated in, they used a Korean animated animation like literally studio. Literally every 2D animated show does, <laughs> including yeah. The Simpsons. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, they definitely went for that a- anime style look. But yeah, they, they didn't go overboard. They didn't go Speed Racer with it. Every mm-hmm. now and then you have somebody like the big chibi eyes. There's maybe like throughout the whole series, maybe like three little teardrop, you know, symbols on their faces. But when they're doing it, they're doing it so self-aware. Because they're going over the top ridiculous and they want and then drop it, move on. It's actually the anime overall is beautiful. Just oh, yeah. beautiful. Huh. It gets, right. And not only does it, it gets better the later seasons you get, but the story just like every season you're just like, ah, hey, this can't get any better. And the next season you're like, oh shit, it just got better. Yeah. It's insane. Huh. Yep. It's how many how many seasons? Three. Three. Okay. But then there's the follow-up episodes. There's the follow-up series, The Legend of Korra. <laughs> yeah. Where and it, Korra is the new avatar, meaning Aang's dead. Oh, I <laughs> guess it, yeah, be. I guess it would it was water. <laughs> I forgot about Korra. Yep. Korra was yeah. from the water tribe. And she's yeah, she knows the avatar from the jump pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. And uh and so yeah, at that point your main character from the previous series is dead, and there's no there's no question because has to be. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise yeah. she wouldn't exist. But yeah. yeah. She cranks me up. Oh, um, and Legend of Korra is good. But the Legend of Korra didn't feel like it had, it didn't have marching orders from the jump. It felt kind of like lost in the sense that it's like, they're like, okay, now this season we'll do this thing over here. Mm-hmm. And now this season we'll do it. And they're all enjoyable. But Avatar has a story that's telling from front to back. And the cast of character characters that it rolls in as you go through all the because it's not only just the four elemental benders, but all these different tribes and groups and specialty things that happen at, in yeah. their travels that they encounter, uh, like the the assassin girls. <laughs> yeah, Azula's uh, <clears throat> friends, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> she blackmails into hanging out with her. Yep. <laughs> And then there's like, and of course, Aang the whole time is also trying to figure out like, there's this thing called the Avatar State where he goes into like this all powerful trance like mode, but he can't control it, can't summon it. And he's trying to figure out what's wrong with him. And he's just like a 13 year old kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and also, there's a flying bison. So why wouldn't you? <laughs> flying <laughs> bison. All right. Yep, yep. It's a, it's a great series to watch with kids. Yes. Obviously. So I watched Absolutely. it with my seven year old and she really only loved one, it. Really, only one episode that. It's the the blood bending one where that it even gets, gets creepy. Yeah. 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 And that's what's so great. Like you, you learn about the benders, but they always always some of them have like a secondary bending power that they can use. Like right. uh fire benders can some some of them can bend lightning. Yeah. And uh water benders can be, make ice and bend blood because it's like water. Yeah. And then you find out the 
uh, earth benders and creates steel a brand benders. new yeah. yeah creates a brand new type of bending just because she needed to get out of the My situation and she, the whole series Toph, Toph was originally yeah. supposed to be a ripped buff dude last <laughs> minute they just said you know what would be better if she was a tiny little angry blind girl yeah yeah <laughs> and they were 100 right yep <laughs> they they made an homage to that in one of the episodes um because there was a a play that they was putting on the fire nation that basically told yeah. the story of, <laughs> it's right and she was being played by a big buff dude in this <laughs> yeah. play yeah there is so much beautiful action so much character development and so much just like nice different change of pace and speed and the writing and dialogue that is great witty mm-hmm. I don't. I can't cite anything wrong with this series. There's, yeah, as, it's not long you, enough. You get your, yeah, you get your enough. goofy, you get your real goofy moments. Oh yeah, there's tons. But then of you humor. get your really like heartfelt, like give you chills moments. Like it, it's just like the depth of that what they go from in there, and this this shows is just incredible. I mean, you're talking about kids animated series, and in the follow-up series, the main character who was a kid, a child in the previous series, is dead, and yet one of his sons is sitting there dealing, who is like probably late 40s, or you know what I mean, is dealing with this existential crisis over being his father's son and never having been close enough to his father. And you're like, mm. wait a minute. But Aang was awesome. Why wasn't he close to his son? Well, you know, he was the Avatar and he's responsible for literally everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so his son grew up not feeling close enough to it. And it's not even a main story. It's not even a, it's barely a side story. But think about the level of depth to do that in, an, in a kid's show. This adult man with three children of his own struggling with how he relates to the character who was the boy hero. You know, it's. Oh, it's just so unique, man. Mm-hmm. It is so, so unique. I love that it's, it's found a resurgence since it came back to Netflix again. Yeah. Like, people are talking about it more now. Yeah, over the last couple People months. are like, why did I never watch this? And it's awesome to see that kind of stuff. I had to have my arm twisted. I don't remember who it was that finally twisted my arm. It had to be... Petrie, probably. No, I think I'm the one that got Petrie to initially watch. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was either you or Garrick or a combination of the two of you. I I thought. I don't remember, but somebody convinced me to watch it. And I finally sat down and I was like, all right, let's go to bullcrap. And I was just... All yeah. In. Well, it's it's kind of funny. I I typically don't get into cartoons. Yeah. You know, it's not like I mean I can enjoy them, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but it's not like oh I'm really I need to watch the next episode. I yeah. really need to. And this is one of those rarities where it's it's better than most television. Oh yeah. Out there. Oh yeah. Hands down. Better ending than Game of Thrones for sure. <laughs> oh my. Whoa. God. Whoa. <laughs> Favorite character? Toph. Other than Uncle Iroh? <laughs> yes, other than Uncle Iroh. I I don't know what it is about Toph. I think it's her her ability to overcome like the situation that she's yeah. in in life. And then she don't take no crap from it, anyone. And she doesn't take any crap from anybody. And yeah. and then of course she's ends up being as they all are, but super awesome. It's a good one. I worry that Garrick's gonna take mine, but Garrick. Um, I don't know. That's a good. They're all so good. All right, you think about <laughs> it. I'll say mine. Okay. 
Azula. Oh, damn it. Oblongata. <laughs> I told you. Yeah, Azula's great. She great. is messed up. And you only get her really toward the end, the last half of the series. Mm-hmm. But she is, like, for a young girl to be a murderous psychopath, they hit it out of the park. Yeah. She's They're like her, irredeemably so. They do great stuff with colors in this show. Oh, like yeah. her, like most firebenders, they have the yellow this reddish fire. orange yep. fire. Yellow, yeah. Yep. Her fire is blue. Yep. Which means it burns hotter because her rage is just so insane. Yeah. That it, it it's reflected in her firebending. Yep. And they don't ever they don't ever explicitly say that. I don't think. No. But it's they leave it up to you to be like, why is this blue? Oh, blue burns. Oh, oh yeah, she jacked up. Yeah, she's crazy. Yep, yep. Who was the voice of Fire Lord Ozai? Mark Hamill. Hamill. Mark MFN Skywalker. Luke Skywalking Hamill. Yeah, I would say my favorite character is probably Soka. <laughs> Sokka. Sokka. Soka. I'll soak it. I just, I just saw something recently that that made made me appreciate him. So like you know he does Is it, he doesn't have any the meme like the yeah the, yeah oh it's a good one where he doesn't you know he doesn't have any bending ability but he's learned every non build bending art from all the four tribes yeah he's so excited like, to try everything you don't realize he's doing way more work than everybody else the whole series like he's like from the earth. Kingdom, he learned the how to fight like a Kyoshi warrior, and like the Fire Kingdom, he learned that sword fighting technique. Yep. And then of course, he comes from the Water Tribe. So, he, and then the I think the Air Tribe, he learned their kind of like sciency type uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that wicked good boomerang. Yeah. Always comes back. Sokka is great because it, you don't really appreciate until you get toward the end of the series at how vital a role he's played the entire time. Yeah. Because they they yep. play, he's such a goofy comic relief, but it's the the best kind of comic relief was you don't realize the whole time how vital he's been. Even though there's an episode or two about that, mm-hmm. you really don't get a feel for it how vital he's been until you get toward the end. You're like, yeah. oh, man. every every character has an ama- an immense amount of growth. In yes, this. yes, every single even, character, even Azula, even though it's like not much of a growth but more of a regression. Yeah. <laughs> It's still it's still not static. Yeah, exactly. It's very dynamic. The and the, the really the I feel like the only character who doesn't is Ozai, but Ozai is a very small character. Yeah, he's and at the in. end, what you realize is the reason why Ozai is not the Fire Lord is not front and center all the time is because he's a total psychopath too. Yeah, he's like a he's like a um like a narcissist like psychopath yeah yeah and so it wouldn't be him who's out on the front lines no matter how powerful he is because he's a narcissist and he thinks everybody else should be able to do everything he wants you know it's just my gosh like all the way down to like also the name of the dude who was like friends with ang when he was a kid and he's like an old man in the earth oh boomy boomy yeah <laughs> yeah oh my goodness it's he can bend with his chin <laughs> That's right. That, I I I, I want to go watch the series again, like right now. Mike, yeah, you need to make a commitment. 
I yeah, will, get man. Get the kids together. Get the kids together. And you know what? Thing. They'll like it, too. I think your wife will like it, too. Oh, yeah. I know okay. your boy will like it. I All think right. your girl will like it. I'm pretty sure your wife will like it. I'll, your uh, wife's got pretty good taste and stuff, and this is legit. Uh, yeah. Might take a couple episodes to get everybody cemented. I'm going to give it a shot. You got to give it a go, man. I'm going to give it a go. Avatar Last Airbender is phenomenal. Legend of Korra follow-up show, also very good. Best cartoon series of all time. Uh, um, Something to take note, um, that uh, the newer Voltron series has a lot of the same writers and directors as Avatar. Yeah, some same voices, too. Yep, like Sokka is one of the voices. (laughs) He plays same a very with the similar dragon. character. <laughs> I can't believe the we've gone... Dragon Prince too. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. I can't believe we've gone this long without mentioning the fact that uh, Prince Zuko is named or is voiced by Rufio. <laughs> Prince Zuko's so great. That dude is. That guy is going to be an inch away from death of old age, and he's still going to sound like a thirteen-year-old. <laughs> he's just got the voice of a young kid for the rest of his life. But yeah, it actually had some big, some big names in here. Uh, you don't say, like Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Oh yeah, Commander, yeah. Lucius uh, Malfoy. Yep, Commander Zaho. Zhao. 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 I don't know. Commander Zhao. Yeah, he was in the first season. The yeah. main, Eight episodes. Main bad guy. Uh, 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 Clancy Brown. Clancy Ooh. Brown. Long right. Fang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> George Takei. Get that one. I did not. What well, did you hear me say, George Takei? His only no, line was, I said oh, my. oh, my. Oh, my. He was a prison guard on a ship. That was funny. McGonagall was in this. What? Really? Maggie Smith? Richard. Oh. Richard McGonagall? You <laughs> shut yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Why uh, did M. Night Shyamalan change the, per, not the, he didn't even change the names. He changed the pronunciation of the names. Why? Oh, the dude from uh, Deep Space Nine was in this as well. Why? Otis. What do you have to gain from taking the names of the show and Ew. pronouncing them differently? He, it he wanted to give it more of an Asian sound, I think is what he said, if I remember correctly. That makes no sense to me. They're man. already established what they're how they're said in the English I language. Know. I mean, gonna, if this is a popular series and he's trying to translate it to film, don't you don't, don't screw with the it. formula. What, that doesn't make any sense. Ass, do you have to be? Well, ask Ryan Johnson. Yeah, exactly. But well, this this guy came first, so yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, but like seriously, like I want to give it more of an Asian flavor. You know what? That's fine, but he also like race swapped everybody. Like in the series, it's pretty much agreed upon that the Fire Nation was supposed to be China, and he made it India. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I can't really go much further than that before I'm in over my <laughs> head. But <laughs> like, I don't know. I just literally. Oh yeah, and of course, he, and Ang just became a, a white kid who won a Taekwondo tournament at some point. But to change but the name, need to be more Asian. To change the name, you know, it, maybe you would change the pronunciation of the names if you're going to have everybody speak in accents, but they didn't. No one did, so it no. serves no purpose. Uh, 
M. Night Shyamalan has been... He was already on my poop list before this movie came out. As much as I enjoy his first two big popular films. He was on my... Well, maybe even three. <laughs> my... He was on my poop list before this movie came out. When this movie, Since this movie came out, I don't know if I've seen a single film of his other than... What was the first one with James McAvoy? Split? Split. I, I saw most of Split on a streaming platform. But I've never... I used to go see Shyamalan films all the time. I, I, this movie made me so angry. When, when someone shows this level of arrogant hubris... I dis in in my mind they're discredited as a human person. As the film that he made to me was just hubris. Times ten. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he he ruined it. Nothing to add to that. Ruined whatsoever. it forever. Think we'll ever get another Avatar related series or another attempt at a film? Yeah, Netflix has come out with live action series. Shut your face hole. Yeah. Are you lying? Well, wait. You Leave it that. to Netflix. Netflix says that about everything, though. They don't actually do it. No. It's <laughs> like they were going to have a live action Cowboy Bebop. Exactly. <laughs> but was... they've announced it, so apparently it's in the works. How do you How do you get a kid? I mean, do you just find an, an older person that looks young and is short? Like, how do you get a team of kids that can do this in a time period that's I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, Harry Potter happened. I wish I had stopped trying to live action all my cartoons, man. Yeah, it's Terrible. not really necessary, is it? No, it's not. I mean, stupid. It's I'll fun to see it, things in live action, but at some point you have to say, what are we adding? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I like. It, okay, perfect example: Lion King, Favreau, Lion King, and you're all your Mandalorian show. You talked about, and Lion it wasn't King even constantly. live action, right? At all? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of dumb. But the, my they just reanimated it differently. Yeah, and 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 I don't think it it has any life to it when I when I saw it. I, I was feel, everything feels dead. It's musical, but every, oh, the animals are just they don't I, have any facial expressions. Any facial just animals, so it just kind of feels li lifeless compared to the original animation. But all that stuff was also being done to develop newer technologies and things like that. When it comes to doing a live action version of this series in a live action series, what are you going to do that's going to add to it? Other than maybe make it visually spectacular, which you can't compete on the level that the show did. Even if you have full CG, what the show did would be so prohibitively expensive to try to make look real. Maybe they'll actually create bending. <laughs> actual bending in real life they're gonna show up on set on their hoverboards their real life hoverboards and bend things well i look forward to seeing it but in the meantime we gotta wrap this crap up y'all it's late i gotta marry people tomorrow oh yeah freaking something's late. happening yeah friend of the show petrie hitching his wagon yeah he is yep i gotta stand up there and make him do it they're gonna, they're gonna hold, i'm gonna have the shot don't let him run i'm gonna get anywhere Thing's got to spread on it, buddy. I'm gonna tell you. Mm -hmm. Hey, run out, join us on Discord where the conversation keeps on rolling on by going to betterkind.com to click on the Discord link and join us up in there. Seriously, for real Z's. Get on there because that's where we like to talk to you guys. That's where we like to hear from y'all. That's where we like to get all of your feedback, opinions, suggestions, things like that, or just general discussions because social media is the dog's balls. So it's better to go into a contained area 
where we can all enjoy each other's company rather than only talk on a platform where everybody's out to murder everybody else. So please join us on Discord. For now, wherever you get the podcast, give us a nice little review. Because even though social media sucks, ratings are still a thing. So, hey, help us do that. We can reach more people just like you. In the meantime, I'm Corey over there. It's Mike. Should we change our name to, like, nondescript people doing a podcast? I mean, there's, like, a trend going on right now. Yeah. Isn't just, there? Yeah. I've, I've actually mentally made I don't want to myself offend anyone. That we should just rename the podcast uh, for middle-aged, middle-class white guys talk about stuff. Ooh, that's too dis- that's too descriptive. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I, well, I don't know. Fly. What about what about Mike Howie and some others? <laughs> and, <they're too> shy. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest Wait, what? are here and on <laughs> Fly Casual Island. Okay. Mike's like we need to simplify it. I say Mike and Co. <laughs> <laughs> talk about shows Mike hasn't watched. All right. Let's, yeah, we'll have to talk about this. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. do a workshop. Mike hasn't seen a lot of MP3 download. Over there's Howie saying MP3 download. Yep. Oh, there's Garrick. Wave bitty download. Yeah. Initiate. My cabbage jelly. That's what I said. My cabbages. 16 bits. 44.1. Mono, Mike. Yeah, none of that. Thank Mono. you. 24-bit, uh, two. You just got to hear Mike in both ears. Yeah.